Hey, this is Annie from the Coronas, and you're listening to the Dan Kyo Wellness Project Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode 35 of the Dan Kyo Wellness Project podcast. This is a podcast in which I interview one person in each episode who has inspired me in one way or another over my time on this rock and who has figured out some sort of way, as we all have, to manage their own wellness and mental health. And my dream and the feedback that I have gotten from listeners of the podcast is that they may have taken one thing out of any episode they've listened to and it helps them on their journey towards managing their mental health that little bit better and feeling well. I'm absolutely delighted to be back recording. I had a difficult time personally over the last few months, so it's taken me a while to get my own wellness back on track, and I'm doing pretty well at the moment. Um, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, on Dan Kiel Wellness Project there, you can see that I've had a good few weeks with goal setting and achieving a few goals that I that I wanted to achieve over the last while but the crucial point and something that I'm learning all of the time is that when I set out a blueprint for the week ahead it really really helps me to stay on track and to um, really manage myself a lot better so I would highly recommend that you try that. I've also come off um, antidepressant medication that I've been on for quite a few years and I'm officially two weeks off those today and I gotta tell you um, I'm doing great. I can't get over it. I'm training in the gym hard. I'm reaching out to family and friends all of the time and I'm just feeling good about my future and hopeful again and that is absolutely priceless. So I've just realized that I have hit over 6,000 downloads and I follow a lot of podcasts that are up to 15 million downloads and all of that kind of stuff, stuff like Generation Y and my good friend Jarlath Regan whose podcast Irish Man Abroad is absolutely killing it still these days. But I'm just so pleased and so grateful to have had 6,000 different people listening to my podcast. It really, really uh, <laughs> means the world to me, you know. So yeah, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I'm not going to give it much of an introduction because it's a story that I was told by a good friend back in December and it speaks for itself. One thing I can tell you is that you will not believe the resilience of people and how they can come back from the most difficult of situations as my, my now good friend Donald Brady explained so beautifully in episode 34. And finally, before we do get started with the episode today, I'd like to give a huge shout out and many thanks to two really amazing people who helped me prepare for today's episode, in which we'll be discussing pretty sensitive issues, and they are Isla Carbine and Miss Sophia Cadigan. Thank you guys, I really, really appreciate it, and hope you enjoy the episode too. Sive, so welcome to the Dan Kiel Wellness Project podcast. Thanks, um, Dan. You're more than welcome. Um, you have such an important story to tell and I've been over the past few months since we had our initial chat about, you know, 
how your life brought you to the point where you were able to share a stage with me and make people laugh and have jokes. <laughs> and what I was most struck by at the time was, Jesus fucking Christ, how is it even possible for people to have these life experiences and then get to the point where they're living a fulfilled and happy and purposeful life? So that was why I... Dropped in the conversation that I had a wellness podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Casually. Mm. So what Stealth. was it what was it about? Because you listened to the podcast when I recommended it to you because I'd love to have you on as a guest. Yes, I do. So when you listened to it, mm -hmm. why did you think that you would like to come on and be a guest? Well, I just thought it was a platform for really helping people with mental health awareness issues. Mm. And also that like it can strike anybody. Yeah. from any walk of life mm. with any experience right. they could have a trauma they could maybe not have a trauma in my case I did but um, I think if, if we talk about it and bring it out of the shadows then people find it easier to talk amongst themselves right so you basically described the reason why I set up the podcast oh, which, is amazing, <laughs> which is amazing which is amazing my followers and people well, I hate that word followers but the people who I know who are connected with me on social media and are you even a coach, Dan? Do you no, have followers? No, no, I have no followers. You're not following me, guys. You're just Did you just drink, give me a bottle of Kool Aid. No, <laughs> no but my followers. I've just done it again. The people who I know and who I've spoken to have all been. Everybody's been through their own stuff. So mm -hmm. and people who have given me feedback on this podcast and all the 34 episodes prior to this one have benefited from people being brave like yourself. Cool. And I that's don't really why... think it's brave. I think it's just an obligation when you come out the other end that people know mm. that it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that so much. So where do we start? Wherever you want. Okay. Well, take us back. So 1999, I was 19. Okay. It was uh, seven years after the X case had divided the country and caused a lot of people to have very strong opinions. And for the people who aren't from Ireland and mm -hmm. who will be listening to this, of which there are quite a few, can you briefly describe the what, the, what happened regarding the X case and why um, it caused such division? Around? Well, the X case was a case regarding a 14-year-old girl who had become pregnant as a result of very... A horrible circumstance she'd been abused okay. she became pregnant and um, during the course of the investigation into the abuse the guards were made aware by her family that she had become pregnant and that they were now going to go to England to seek a termination okay. um, Harry Whelan the Attorney General then got involved and issued some kind of legal instruction, or instruction yeah, yeah which meant that the family then returned to Ireland and it just became this huge case in relation to uh, the rights of the child, the unborn and the rights of the mother yeah. and um, and it just kind of split the country. Right, okay. So, so that sets the scene and because uh, Ireland is so historically uh, religious, mm. historically... I don't think church and state were as separate as we like to think they were. At, at that the time. time? No, I don't think they were. And this case highlighted that. And it really highlighted that. Right, okay. You know. So, in the end, the young lady in question had a miscarriage, but right. had been put through 
months of serious yeah. upset and yeah. torment. At such a young age. At a very young age. Okay. I don't think she's ever come out publicly to say that she was the girl in the X case. I don't think she ever will. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So the X case gives yeah. us a backdrop. The background. Yeah. A backdrop really to where I was. To my teenage years. Oh, okay. Perfect. My teenage Perfect years where it's like X case the trauma of that. The, I mean, I read a lot. So even as a teenager, I could read all this stuff. Yeah. And then when you start reading about the X case, then there's the Anne Lovett case comes into it, that poor girl yeah. down in Granard. So it just kind of shows you that really church and state, mm, they weren't as separate as we like to think they were. No. So into 1999, here I am, away working for the summer. Mm -hmm. I'm 19 years of age. I'm in Ireland. I'm working for the summer and I find out along with my boyfriend of a year and a half that we are pregnant. Okay. And we are devastated. This was one of the most shocking and difficult times in both of our lives. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know what we were going to do. And then we did both decided after about a couple of days that really we were going to go to England. We were going to do the Irish solution hmm. and we were going to go to England. So we flew to England at the end of July 1999. We flew over on a Thursday evening and we got up on the Wednesday morning and we went to the clinic. And, you know, they say you're supposed to get counselling and they do give you a form of counselling, but it's really just why do you want to have this termination yeah. and you say to them your reasons and my reasons were I'm 19 he's 19 we are in the middle of our college summer year and this is just not where we want to be yeah. we made possibly a very foolish mistake we were young so the lady in there well, she was very nice and um, so in I went and uh, I had I had the procedure and I woke up in a ward and there was four other beds and we were all Irish. Oh. Every one of us. And we couldn't look at each other, but we could tell, you could tell from the accents. We were just all Irish girls. When you say you couldn't look at each other, do you mean? Couldn't catch each other's eye. Oh, okay. We were too embarrassed. Okay, so there was a There was a shame, shame and embarrassment. There, yeah, and there okay. was also a, my God, do I know any of these girls? Do any of the, you guys know us? Do any of your partners know me or my my partner? Yeah. You know? So one girl was there with her parents. Well, what looked to be her parents. And the other girls were there with partners and, and sisters or what looked to be sisters or friends. Yeah. But even though we were all in the one room, Not we may word. as well have been on our own. Not a word Because was there was nothing to be said to each other. Just nothing. Mm -hmm. Not even looks of... Well, you know, there was a few people you'd look and they'd kind of give you a bit of an Irish nod. But a knowing nod. A yeah. knowing nod. Mm. But we didn't speak to each other. We didn't console each other. We all just wanted to get the hell out. Absolutely. And get home. So. So how long did you spend over there all together? I went over on the Tuesday evening and I came back to Ireland on a flight on the Thursday morning. But... The procedure is one where you are left with 
like bleeding. Right. So you're bleeding quite heavily, which is normal. Mm. Not like horrifically bad, but so you're very uncomfortable. And then you get back on the plane and you land in Ireland and you get back to where you're living. Yeah. And then I went to work on the Friday morning. Unbelievable. So my job at the time was as a maid. It was a summer job. Yeah. As a maid in a hotel. And it was moving large pieces of furniture and cleaning behind them. Right. Stripping beds, reaching, bending, hoovering, which just kind of... Ma- hard manual labor. Hard, fairly hard, yeah. You, you would work up a sweat doing this but work. But there was no way that you could say that you were oh, able to no, do that. Oh, no. Not at all. And I had to change my uniform two or three times over the the coming couple of days because mm. of the bleeding. Like yeah. Some of the women would say, oh, you need to change your uniform or whatever, because right. I wouldn't notice. And did you sense that it being so soon after you'd come back? Mm-hmm. Like your your mind was probably saying, "Are they looking at me because they know?" Well, or I was very I was relieved. Even checking in at Dublin Airport, I said, "I wonder do they do they know where we're going over here?" Like, yeah, so that's a constant dialogue going yeah, around. Yeah, constantly. Plus the X case, they were brought back from England. Yeah, is there a guard going to turn around here and ask me? Like this may sound ridiculous. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. I but was you're doing ask you something next. under the cover of darkness. You're an Irish girl, woman, and you're doing something that is completely against the law in your own country. You're going over to England, which we've had a fractious relationship with them over the years. We're not going to lie, that's right? Fine. That's for another podcast. That's another podcast, and it's fine another now. episode of this podcast. But peace process and everything had only started in 1998 and yeah. So there's still a little bit of tension at times. And yet you're going to a foreign country with foreign accents that you couldn't be around your own things even. Yeah. You had to go away. Yeah. Because nobody was going to help you in what you wanted to do in Ireland and what you felt you had to do in because Ireland. Because it was it and is illegal. Illegal. It is illegal for you to make that decision about yourself. And women in Ireland do not have any bodily autonomy. And when I came back, was I to go to the doctor? And say to him, by the way, doctor, I've had an abortion in England, but I'm not sure if everything is okay. You couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I felt I couldn't do that. I couldn't do Was he going to report me to the guards? Is that even a thing he could do? The X case was only seven years earlier. Yeah. And still fresh in everybody's consciousness. still fresh in the consciousness. Was he going to say, well, first of all, was he going to judge me? disapprove Mm -hmm. tell me he wouldn't treat me i don't know if a doctor can do that assuming they can but then like did he have an automatic kind of requirement requirement to report obligation yeah yeah yeah. so i so this is all going around your mind and i said what if i've damaged myself yeah what if i've damaged myself with this procedure yeah and i don't know because i can't go for a checkup what and, am and I going to do? And be honest. I yeah. can't. And if I did, they'd know. Yeah. And am I going to get into trouble? Yeah. Like it was so just... It's, it's so complex. It was very complex. So many layers. So and many layers. Just, can I let the listeners know, yeah. when I asked Saif to come on to this podcast, 
we hadn't we didn't discuss any of these details. So no. So poor old what, what I was poor old Dan is no no fuck. not at all. But the, the point I'm trying to make is what I was floored by back in December was your journey since then and what happened in the initial stages after you came back mm-hmm. to how you dealt with this mm-hmm. afterwards mm-hmm. that led to us meeting when we did and sitting down over a pint of beer mm-hmm. and having our conversation i was you say i just picked my jaw off the floor a couple of days ago because <laughs> after that though you know because yeah. i was so you know impacted by it so what tell us a little bit bit about what happened after you so I came, after all the, the after initial all couple of, that, of weeks passed. And, and the initial couple of weeks passed and i came back to ireland and I had been living with an elderly lady. She was in her 70s, late 70s. And she was a lovely woman. And it was just me. She she rented out rooms. And, and there was me, myself and herself. And we became very, very close. And she guessed. Wow. And I don't know. I still now, now, God bless her, she's passed away. But I still don't understand how she guessed. But she guessed. She just knew. She just knew. She just knew and... The conversation had come up, not necessarily about termination, but about some lady in the village had become pregnant and she'd had twins and wasn't that great and aren't they lovely and yada, yada, yada. And she, she said, oh, I'm so glad because, you know, there's been a lot of lot of women around here have had miscarriages, God bless them, you know. So this woman was probably a Leading great in. help. Oh, she was. A she great was. help. No, well, to you, certainly, yeah. but probably to other... Other women, yeah. Women. Mm-hmm. Who had to walk around under the fucking yeah. veil of darkness that they were surrounded by because they know to talk to? She was a very strong-minded woman, even for her time. She was a very well, that's independent what me about thinker, her, yeah. as in she decided what was right and wrong with her to her. And she, so she was very forward-thinking in that very, way, and she loved young people. She adored young people, and everybody would call in to see her. She'd leave her front door open, and people would just wander in to chat to her, and she loved it. Like, she was just a dote. Like a guardian angel of sorts. Like she was, yeah. You could go into her and ask her anything and she'd tell you, honestly. So when she guessed, were you, what was your reaction? I thought she was going to be horrified. Okay, so she didn't say it in any no. in any sort of way. She just guessed it and you were, then had it. to wait for her response. I had to wait for her reaction. Which you had building like, up in your yeah. head the whole and your because heart Because I thought, this is going to be a response of everybody. Because and it was particularly and, and I did your... her I did her miss justice because because she was elderly I thought she's going to be she's going to be horrified she's going to be very conservative she's going to think you're the worst person in the world and it was the yeah. complete and utter opposite she surrounded you by love yeah and empathy and, and understanding and kindness wow and she just told me. To go down to the local river, which probably sounds a bit dodgy, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what she meant. Well, no, that's some throw bit, yourself it. No, she so well, that's a bit of welcome comic relief. You know, but she did. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> which was which was a kind of a holy place because there'd been an old um, church there, and it was very peaceful and calm. And it was very beautiful, and she gave me a candle, right? And she said to go down there and to light a candle. And just to to release my sorrow, and I I thought she she'd mistaken what had happened. Right. I thought she thought I'd had a miscarriage, yes. and this is why the empathy was there. 
so I had to say, now, you do realise I went to England and all that that means. She goes, yes. I said, but you know now I didn't have a miscarriage. I mean, the woman wasn't simple. She was highly intelligent. Sure. But I just didn't think she really... Well, you needed that clarification. Yeah, I needed to clarify this for her before she... Like, I'm like, like is this actually is happening? This, is, is this, this happening? Is yeah. this actually happening? Right. So she said, um, I know, yeah. And I said, okay. And she goes, but a loss is a loss. Oh. No matter... There's the goosebumps. Yeah. A loss is a loss. And I've had... I'll never forget that sentence and, and, and her face when she told me and she just kind of squeezed my hand, gave me the candle and fucked me out the door over to the, <laughs> over to the, the river, the river. Yeah. and just uh, do that. I think that's, I think I found out in later years that that's where a lot of the women of the village would go from the 50s and maybe beforehand she was that old, like because if they lost a child and the child hadn't been baptised yeah. or christened, wouldn't necessarily be buried in the graveyard. Right. The priest would come and, and kind of just take away the stillborn child. So they wouldn't have a graveyard to go to. So the ladies amongst themselves as a community of women decided that this little holy place was the place that they would go if one of their community lost a child that way. Yeah. That they would be able to go there together as a group. That's beautiful. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. I'm so glad for my mother is... Is just so uh, thankful and grateful to that lady. Right. Like, because I didn't tell my mother for years. Oh, I was just going to ask you. Yeah, that, like, for years that, and years and years. How, what was, like, it was, okay, so you told this beautiful lady, mm-hmm. this 70-year-old mm-hmm. lady, who was decades ahead of her time. Decades. And it would be great to have her around. I know, uh, she'd have some stories. <laughs> but when was did you build up the courage to finally start being open and honest about it with other people in your family and friends well i'd done as much as i could do myself and then i threw myself into college and a career mm. and i bought into the celtic tiger nonsense of material possessions will make you f- happy mm-hmm. and um you know, the better car, the better clothes, the house, this, that, the other. And you should be successful. And I went working in London, in England, for a time mm. as a stenographer. Okay. And so I did that for a while. In the Old Bailey. In the Old Bailey, yeah. And then I came back to Ireland and I just, I didn't feel happy. I felt almost one step removed. Hmm. I still had this cloud over my head that I was a criminal. Right. How many years later are we talking here? Um, That would have been about 10. Wow. So So it would have been about 2009. Yeah. So you tried, just to summarise there, you tried to distract yourself. Distract myself. With all of the things that you just I thought I dealt with it, you know, and I was all good. Can I ask, why did you think that you dealt with it was it because you ha- went to the river it's with the because candle? i went to the river with the candle and because i had thought i had thought i had made peace with it and 2009 i thought oh maybe i haven't and then i said no i'll be fine and then in 2011 the elderly lady died and every couple of months or maybe once or twice a year i would head back and oh, visit her right and she kind of kept me grounded and i would go down to the river where I had been sent the first time. But then she passed away and I thought, oh, okay. okay. It was very sad because I loved her very much. Yeah, of course. But um, 
then I just kind of threw myself into into the Celtic Tiger yeah. crap yeah. of material possessions. So you, we'll so set you, you free. <laughs> yeah, well, you went through yeah. all of that, and I think you described it really beautifully there about coming out of knowing that you've, okay, you've willfully distracted yourself from trauma that you've experienced. Yeah. Whilst you did have support from that lady mm. at the time. And then when the distraction wasn't enough for you anymore. Spiritually and, and The cloud was there. The cloud was there. I, lo I love that And idea. I was bankrupt. Spiritually, Spiritually bankrupt. And emotionally bankrupt. I had nothing left. This cloud had sucked it all out of me because I hadn't dealt with it properly. So having a nice car won't help? Not at all. No, it Having won't. Having a high power job won't no. help, or a high pay job won't No, help. no, because you're faking it. Okay. If you're not at peace in yourself. Or at least on the fool? road to it. On the road to it. Being at peace with yourself doesn't mean you're at the destination, but at least you're working towards it. But there is none. There, there is, is no destination. You're never going to get there. But so, so, so when so I... What did you decide then when you came back and you, you recognised, okay, shit, I haven't, this is still here. So I decided... I decided to go to a church. Okay. I was raised Catholic. Now, in the 80s, everybody went to Mass. Talk and I me through that decision. Like, what, what happened in that moment? I need some kind of spiritual recognition. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Or some kind of for forgiveness, if that's the word, or recognition of the trauma I'd been in, and maybe I'd made this decision and it probably wasn't you know, the best in their teachings, but that I was forgiven and I was back in the fold. I was no longer isolated and I was no longer a criminal invert. So that explains perfectly why you decided to go to a church, obviously. Yes. So I went to a church. Okay. And there was confession on. Right. And I sat there and I said to myself, will I go in? Okay, I'll go in. I'll, 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 I'll give it a go, yeah. right? So I went in and I sat down and, and the priest was there and I, discussed a few things and then I, I mentioned I said look I'm having real difficulty with this has occurred it's 10 years ago it's been a long time since I've been into a church unless I was at a wedding or something sure. and uh, I'm here and I, I'm just looking for some kind of help advice consolation I don't know condolence and I explained what had happened or what I had done because that's what it was and he told me that I was beyond God's grace. What I had done. No, he didn't say I was beyond God's grace. He said what I had done was beyond God's grace. And what did he mean by that? It's unforgivable, like. Right. There's nothing here for you. So, in a way, having experienced what you had already experienced, you got the exact opposite of what you needed. From the Catholic from Church. From walking in there. The exact opposite of what I got from an old lady. I got from an educated man of God. Beyond God, beyond God's grace. Beyond forgiveness. That's what that means. Yeah. There is no forgiving you for this. How did you react? I just kind of sat there and I, I was a bit stunned and I was like... Like, I didn't think he was going to be delighted with my decision, <laughs> but I didn't think I would be completely turned away. So I just left. I just sat. Sorry. I just got up and I left.
I left feeling more isolated and alone and vulnerable and more like a criminal in my own country. So I left. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's what my mum and dad have said. Good. <laughs> All I wanted was a little bit of uh, compassion. And you would have kindness. taken anything at that point. Anything, anything. But what you got. Yeah, anything. And I just didn't know what to say to him. So how do you... Like... So I went for to me, see that's, For me, that's... With your story yeah. that you told me back... A few mm. months ago, for me, that was the most tra- traumatic, most traumatic part. part of it. Yeah, well, it was one of them. But you get me, like, yeah. hearing it from an outsider's perspective, yeah. I, I cannot believe that happened. Well, So, that brings me to the question of, what, what do I you do, do next? I like, how to, do you come back from that? I went to see the old lady. Yeah, it was an a couple of min- months later, and I went to see her and I told her. And she said in no uncertain terms and a few expletives what she thought of that man. Mm. And that he wasn't a man of God. And not to worry. And go down the river there and have an old chat with she himself. Down to the river yeah, again. chat with himself. <laughs> yeah. She just That was her, just that was her a, Yeah. It was just such a beautiful, beautiful place. It was so peaceful. And it was it was almost like, you know, it was a very spiritual place. You could there was an energy about it. Yeah. It was just so calm. Like, and it was like forest, there was like forestry and this old ruin of an abbey and it was just so calm and the river going by and it was just beautiful. Yeah. Thank God for her because... Thank God that she was there thank God. for you in yeah. the aftermath mm. of that mm. experience with that so-called man of God. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But, and, and then, like, you know, I did continue to think about it and then obviously various topics in the media brings it all back up sure. and then um but sure it's done it what's done is done it can't be undone so what am i going to do crumble and let it define me for the rest of my life well therein lies your choice or rise up and say that was then a decision i made i do not regret the decision i made I regret putting myself in the position where I had to make that decision. The choice would never be different. Yeah. Even now, the cho- that decision would not have been different yeah. if I was in that situation again at yeah. that time. Yeah. I wouldn't have made a different choice. Yeah. But I do regret getting myself to the point where that decision was necessary to be made. Yes, I understand. So, what was the fallout for you emotionally in the years after that? Then, because how we got because how we got talking about this yeah. was, you know, you you were trying a lot of new things at the mm-hmm. moment, looking at different opportunities, career wise, yeah. and you know, you, was you, almost, we were talking about transition. Yeah, transition. I was almost fearful after that, and that was never me. I was very. Um, lively spontaneous I always I, I, I was fearless but after that and after being told that you're beyond God's grace there's no help for you Jesus Christ my confidence my personality it just I went in I isolated myself almost like I was going to contaminate other people oh my god what do you know a, if I was going to, to describe be, it yeah but it's true like am I going to contaminate like I'm such a bad person even God doesn't want to know me 
So I'm going to isolate myself. I'm going to turn in. I'm not going to do anything like I used to do. And I'm just going to just hide away. And I did that for years. How long did that last for? I'd say six or seven years. What? Mm. Okay. And then I came to my parents who are just like amazing. <laughs> just going to say, you know. Are you, you can't, you're not saying your parents are better than my parents. Sure. I so am. Okay. Okay, we'll put them on an equal level then. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, tell me about your parents. What, what was the, how did so they? So I just decided, I just, they could tell that I wasn't myself. And they didn't know. And they're like, are you all right? And I was mm. like, yeah, I'm fine. And I wasn't bouncing around. I wasn't enthusiastic. I wasn't doing things I liked to do. I wasn't even, see, I, I don't necessarily have things I like to do all the time, but I will try new stuff sure. for the crack. I wasn't even doing that. Yeah. Like, a, like, I wasn't, I just wasn't doing that. And would that be, in terms of your own wellness management, is that an indicator to you that, oh, God, I'm actually doing okay at the moment because I'm trying yeah, this Yeah, because and I'm, I'm feeling that. brave enough your... to try yeah. something new yeah. and to try and not worry <laughs> about failing. Yeah, because on this podcast, on every, there's 35 different people have talked about mm. how subjective it is. And that yeah. sounds like that's one of your markers. Yeah. Oh, I am doing okay. I'm trying yeah. this I'm trying rowing to... or I'm trying yeah. this Sewing drama or, or whatever. whatever. Missing. Yeah. But it's the whole idea of having the confidence. And, and having an interest in the world that... around. I lost that. For six years. I lost that for a long time. I just went through the motions. I was robotic. Yeah. And then I started getting really stressed because obviously this was continuing on and, and my hair started to thin. Wow. You know, from stress, but I didn't know it was from stress. So I was still being a robot. And well, my you were surviving, you were just getting yeah, on with things. My skin started to crack and peel. What? Yeah, it was all around my hands. I could peel off bits of skin. It was disgusting. And this was all due to the stress, stress and the yeah. guilt and it the shame. It was stress related, yeah. And being beyond yeah, God's grace. grace. I'm not even a particularly bullshit. religious person. Yeah, but that's what but makes it even a, more I, horrendous I, for I, me. I would consider myself spiritual. So when I thought I was cut off from that whole thing, is cut off, you can't have any of that because you are such a terrible person. Wow. So that was pretty grim. So I went to my parents and I said, look, pops, mama. <laughs> I said, I'm not feeling the best. They're like, no, we know. And it kind of came out and I discussed going to English, England with them because they never knew. Right. And I thought, this is, this is big. They're going to either freak out or they're just going to either freak out. There was two options, freak well, and you, freak. I'm sure you were back in that moment yeah. when you were telling mm. the, the old lady and mm -hmm. she said she knew and you were like, no, <gasps> you know, and it's okay. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and you're going to throw me into the river. Yeah, basically. And then you send me down to the river. I don't know. What do I do with this? And um, she, they just said, they just said, they just said, we are very sorry that you went through that yeah. on your own. Yeah. Without, oh sorry yeah. without us and I said are you disappointed in me and they said no oh wow we're not disappointed that's in beautiful me. yeah because I was worried so did it immediately did something oh, lift lifted. from you? it was just lifted I was oh, just like thanks be to God I've been I'm still accepted in my tribe because I was already cut off from my God tribe you got there before I could say it there. so am I going to be cut off from this one as well because connect Feeling connected, socially connected, is very, very important yes. as humans. Yes, for and wellness. We, yeah, and if we don't have that, we can become depressed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
it, it's so important mm. to feel accepted within either your peer group or your family group or the family that you're born into or the family that you create around yourself yeah. just to your feel tribe. acceptance your tribe your peoples but even when you your homies you know, <laughs> your homeboys and your homegirls yeah. shout out to my homies but even when you just described you know telling your parents there I felt a weight lift off did you you were like worried like that's how par- well no I could just feel that experience yeah. from you exactly like because like, when oh. I think of my mum and dads and mm-hmm. my sister and my nephews and, you know, the people who are, my brother-in-law's well, and people who are the closest to me, if you feel excluded from them. It's terribly isolating. Oh, God. And, and they're I supposed don't... to share your DNA or they're supposed to be the people in your crew. They don't necessarily have to share your DNA, but they're your group. And if you've been cut off for them, even in the wild, if a group of wild lions cut off another lion, he's going to die. He's a goner. He's a goner. Or yeah. antelope or anything. But they said, we're not disappointed in you. No, we're not disappointed. We're disappointed that you had to go through this alone and that we weren't able to be there for so you. So they couldn't have reacted better then? They couldn't have reacted better, no. And would I'm you, blessed. can I ask, would you, when we're talking about the spectrum of your experience mm. from... The, the start of this story mm. to where you are now being yeah. and you are in my opinion being brave you don't want to see it as being brave but talking about this I believe is a is a necessity um, when you think about the start of your story and getting to here now yeah. would you describe knowing that your parents weren't disappointed as a huge turning point was that a big one for you? Um, it was a big one right. but the biggest one. Oh yeah Go on. <laughs> the biggest turning point in the whole thing, even though I didn't recognise it at the time, was the old lady's empathy. Oh. Yeah, because you could re- keep revisiting that I in your mind, I could keep revisiting right? and saying, you didn't need her she's to be there elderly, she is of a certain generation, and she is not judging me. So I will hang on to what she's saying. A loss is a loss. And I won't listen to what the priest said. And I won't worry about what my parents say until the time comes. Mm. But I had, I kind of had enough faith in them to know what they were going to say. It just, it took me yeah. a little bit of, bit of oomph to get there. To say the words. Once you say the words, there's no power. They have no power over you anymore. No, they don't. They're no power. <laughs> so, like, if you're looking for, like, if you're worried about being depressed or something, everybody has one person in their life. I don't care if they're related to them or just a friend or even a colleague, or a neighbour, or an aunt, or anybody. Yeah. But they they have one person that they know, not necessarily understand, but they can go to and say, "Hey, buddy, I'm not really feeling great," and he's going to say, "Oh, why not?" Yeah, I think I think this is so important, like, and I just want mm. to stay with this for a second because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, and I have a lot of friends who I love dearly, yeah. and family, but. That action, even with my closest family members or friends, of me saying, do you know what, lads? I'm struggling mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm really not, not hitting me markers. I'm not feeling it here. I'm not doing what you were saying about it. I'm not, you know, I'm not plugging into <laughs> what, what I should be doing, like yeah. acting on stage or doing podcasts. And mm-hmm. I think what you just said there is so important because... You, there is this narrative, I think, with a lot of people of, oh, I have loads of friends and family, I'm grand. Yeah, yeah. But they would never be able to get to the point where no. they're saying, mm, but the not thing doing is, well. How do people do that? If what? you present yourself to your friend, let's call him Tom 
right? Your buddy Tom. Old Tommy and old Paul. They've known each other a couple of years. They've been out a few times or whatever. He's a good guy. Yeah. You know that about Tom. You know he's a good guy. If you were to look Tom in the eye and just say to Tom, Tom, like with insincerity, with sincerity and say, I am not feeling good. Do you think Tom would turn away from you? No, of course not. No. No. And it's just, I'm not feeling good. Four words. Four words. And After can, everything me and Tom have been through. Yeah. Four words. And if you think your buddy would turn away from you. He's not your buddy. He's not your buddy. And everybody has somebody that they know would not turn away from them in there. Um, that takes courage. That takes courage. That takes courage but to say that. But it's a huge relief. In a way, a lot of people don't want to admit that they're not doing as well as they'd like as well. Like, there is that element of it as well, would you say? You know, there is. You don't I want mean, to, you're afraid to admit it to yourself. That's why we're doing this. So yeah. people aren't so afraid to talk about stuff. Bloody right. Yeah, man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> So you spent six years in the fog and the mist and the wilderness. I did. And then I went to my parents and I said, I am not doing well at So what all. happened after that? So they said, okay, we will help you. And so the, the parent machine <laughs> roared into gear. <laughs> you gotta love it. You gotta love it. In all ways, there was food presented. Oh yeah, brown bread coming out your brown ears. Brown bread coming out of your ears, cabbage and bacon, hairy bacon. Yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> There was washing done, ironing. I was like, that's great. But it's actually not the housework that's the problem. No, but they were trying. They were trying. And then they decided, right, we're going to contact our doctor. And I've known this doctor since I was, it's actually the son of the doctor we had when we were children. His son is now a doctor as well. So I kind of grew up with him. Fair enough. And he explained to me that he would be very glad to prescribe me very mild antidepressants but only on the basis that it was a two-prong approach that I took the antidepressants and I did the CBT or some kind of psychotherapy. Talk therapy. Talk therapy. Yeah. There is no point, he said, in me giving you medication if you're not going to deal with the underlying issue because he said, he explained it to me like, the, excuse me, the medication lifts the fog gives you a bit of clarity to deal with the issues that are causing the fog that's been my experience certainly. yeah what was your was that your experience yeah it well? was yeah because you feel like when, when you're in a depressive episode you do feel like that you're kind of almost trying to run through cotton wool or something it's Everything a brilliant description so heavy. that's brilliant but it's true though it's yeah. so heavy and fluffy and sticky and you just feel so uncomfortable and running through cotton walls but it's true or yeah, wet no, sand like you're just kind of you're lurching from yeah. one thing to the next you're not doing anything fun you're not enjoying anything mm. you're just trying to get stuff done sure. and it's taking forever yeah and it's really really painful and annoying yeah pain in the hole pain in the hole didn't really want to say that on the air but okay <laughs> I'll go with it <laughs> Say whatever you want. We're there. So, um, what was I going to say? Um, so this young doctor, he prescribed medication to he did. lift the fog. And he did. his two-tier approach was something that you took on. It was. He gave me um, guidance on that and basically told me there's two parts to the recovery. Um, and one part is medication. Okay. Um, very mild. I wasn't to worry that it would be addictive, mm. because it, it wasn't. Yeah. 
and the other part was I, in conjunction with the medication that talk therapy was very important yeah. so the medication as he explained it would give me would get rid of the fog and allow me some clarity to deal with the underlying issues and how quickly did you find the impact of the medication um it took about two weeks for my mood to to lift but even knowing that i was taking action that something was happening another crucial point crucial point that there was change was either coming or even the action of getting the medication and going to the doctor, this was the start. So knowing that you were taking action, action. towards recovering yeah. and being well. Being in control had... of my own recovery. No longer being controlled right, okay. by depression, but being in control of the recovery from So that's depression. like a three-tier approach. Really it is, yes. Yeah, in a way, yeah, because you have the medication, which is, you know, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Increased dopamine, mm -hmm. lots of different, uh, lots of different things. Different types of medication work for different people. Mm -hmm. um, you have the talk therapy, mm -hmm. but you also have the knowing that you're taking action. That you're towards taking action, and that change taking will come. autonomy. Yeah, Amazing. taking the power back. No longer the power is no longer somewhere else. That you're taking back control. That's bloody brilliant. Of your recovery. That it's going to get better. You heard it here first, lads. You heard it here first. <laughs> Three-tier approach. The yeah. new book by Sive. It's coming out. Oh, yay. January 2019. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> okay, so you went and spoke to... So basically what I did, I did a bit of research and I had to look around and I, I you know, the first counsellor you go to may not be the one for you. Hmm. You do have to have a rapport because you will have to bring up difficult possibly very difficult topics subjects so you need to have a rapport with that person so the first person I went to while they were very nice and professional I just didn't feel the rapport I knew I wouldn't open up to this person so I again that's sorry to interrupt you but that's brilliant insight for you at such an early stage of your process well I kind of took it upon myself if I have this illness because it's an illness like any other yeah it just doesn't manifest itself the same way yeah so I looked it up online <laughs> and I learned what to expect from cognitive behavioral therapy and other different types of talk therapy and to be careful and find out the qualifications that the person has and are they experienced? Do they seem to know what they're talking about? So this is excellent advice for someone who might be listening to this, mm. not necessarily having gone through what same thing as no, what you've gone through but have experienced trauma or is feeling in feeling, a low mood feeling low depressed and are considering therapy this is yeah. really top advice in my opinion okay well you need do to do your research. research yeah because you will have to open up to this person and you, you don't want them to be a charlotte and i'm not saying there's many out there no but do your research mm. and, and make sure that you're comfortable with the person that you're going to go and see and would would you argue that you know pretty soon into a therapeutic process that, oh, you okay, know this, within the first this 20 person minutes. and me, it, it's going to work for me. Yeah, within the first 20 minutes. If you can talk to them like you're talking to a friend. And likewise when it's not. And within likewise the first 20 when minutes, it's you not. sense it. Once so trust you, your instincts. Instinct is very... And, and you don't trust your instincts when you have depression because yeah. everything is skewed. But you've got to plug into that part of yourself, that deep part of yourself that knows. And it's there. It's just a bit foggy at the moment. Hmm. that's all but a couple of weeks on medication and I just love the way you're saying that which is the most 
wonderful smile on your face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you have a wonderful, beautiful smile of somebody oh, who has been through all of this and is now in a position to be able to impart this type of yeah. information. Well, somebody probably... I don't know if somebody helped me along the way. I can't remember. I just think back to the old lady because I know that's what she'd say. I really wish I met her. I know. Oh, she was a legend. Yeah. A legend in her own lifetime. So then the therapy continued then? and The therapy continued with this first therapist and I just didn't think it was helping. Mm. And I gave it a good... You have to give it a while now. But I just didn't feel it was helping. So I went back to the drawing board. I stayed on the medication yeah. and I kept doing that. And, and I tried to get outside as much as I could. And my sleep pattern was improving. And so I was like, okay, okay. Another amazing tip Another there, guys. Another thing. Get outside. As much as possible. Not, don't stand in the rain and get pneumonia. But like, you know. No, no, but I take your point completely. Open the windows. If you can't even go outside, open the curtains and sit beside the window. You know as well as I do when you're depths in the depths of the depression. The last thing you want to opening do opening the window. Opening the window no is just no chance. The but effort just of that. Try. Yeah. Just try. It will help. It will help. Mm. Even just open the window and go back to bed. Just let a bit of fresh air into the room, and it'll perk you up a little bit. Amazing how such a small little act such can a have small quite a big thing. impact. Yeah. You might when you're feeling kids, like that. Certainly. You might think you're the only person in the world. And you have depression and you're just, oh, and you open the window and you hear kids playing outside and you say, there is a world out there and it's just waiting nice. for you to come back. Yeah, that's nice. You know? That's so. lovely. So then I went and found a different uh, uh, counsellor and that really worked. Great. There was an instant rapport. We drilled down into the, obviously some of the issues that we spoke about today and other ones. And... Um, and there was a time after about, I'd say for me personally, after about 12 weeks, I needed to take a break. Yeah. And that's not unusual. Yeah. I just needed to take a break from the counselling because... To regroup. To regroup and just have a bit of, okay. A breather. A breather. Just yeah. a little break, like a little holiday. Just from that. And then I went back and did it again. But um, I found personally that dealing with it once a week or once every 10 days wasn't really doing it for me now he was a very good counsellor and got a lot out of it okay so did you feel you needed a bit I needed more a just a bit more just a need I, I'm the kind of person if I'm going to do something I'll do it I'll concentrate on it for a number of days I want to get it get in get out get done get back to my life that's what I wanted to do <laughs> so I went like this podcast yeah like this podcast <laughs> yeah just get in get it done go home no <laughs> see you later Dan no bye, bye. Um, so I said it to my parents I said look I think I need to go in somewhere okay. if there was anywhere I could go into yeah. and do intensive only have to think about this not have to worry about work or mm. whatever and they said okay we'll look into it and I then checked in voluntarily to St. Patrick's Hospital and did the depression program which is a specific program yeah. for depression and it was amazing they are amazing in there. They're amazing. It was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, they left you alone when you need to be left alone. <laughs> you know, you could... So that, that was what know, worked for you. That was what worked for me. But the main thing, the only reason it worked for me is because I started to talk about it. Yes. Okay. The first Again, step we're back, we're in getting to, the healing... We're back to knowing that yeah. you're taking the action. Yeah. Knowing that you're taking action. Even if you just say it to your friend, your your relative, your who, somebody. You have now passed the burden of it onto them. Even if it's for a short time. Not even a burden, but you've split it. And they can come to you and say, 
let's come up with a plan and it's easier to work with somebody than just on your own yes I think burden is exactly correct actually but like I I a lot of people would say oh, I when don't want to burden my relatives or my friend or my this and that and no no but when, I, when you say burden I was thinking you are burdened when you're not talking yeah, to people about completely, it completely it's like a bag on your back and you can't get rid of it I have had so many people reach out to me mm-hmm. through the course of doing this podcast on my Facebook and, my, and Instagram stuff and my op- my own openness about my own mental health mm-hmm. um, challenges and rising and falling and the yeah. whole lot but the one, the one consistent thing that people have reached out is they listened to a podcast or they saw a post and they saw, they told somebody and that was the biggest the action. thing that happened for them yeah and it was just one person, it's all it takes. It's all it takes. It's just four words, I'm not feeling great. Oh, I love And it that. starts a conversation. Because I'm the not other person, great. The other person say, why, what's wrong? Do you have the flu? No, I just, I'm not feeling myself. I'm, I'm having a low mood or yeah. I just, I feel very down. And then, yeah. boom, the whole thing starts. And that's all you have to do is four words, I'm not feeling great. I love that. And let them come back to you. And they always will. Especially if you're sincere. Yeah. Which, of course... Of course we are, like, because it's true. If somebody gets to the point where they have to say that and they feel like saying it, yeah, it's, it's po- possibly one of the most sincere things you've ever said in and your life. Who, who would turn their back on someone saying, I'm not feeling great? Well, not someone worthy of Not them. somebody that's in your life. Yeah. I mean, hopefully you don't have people in your life that would turn your back on them. If you do, good luck. Yeah. See you later. Find someone mm. different. And especially lads... You probably find it very difficult to say those things. Well, I'm in the minority yeah, in that but other I've lads pushed through would. that. But yeah. generally, I think, again, I've spoken to musicians, comedians, um, all walks of life, mm. young men from, from around Ireland on this mm-hmm. podcast as well. And they stepped up mm. to talk to me about their struggles. Yeah. But there, we are in the minority. And the whole reason why we want to... Get the word out Get there. The so it's out. possible you can do it, lads. It's okay. Absolutely. It's okay. It's absolutely okay. In fact, it's very brave and, you know. Yeah. It'd be quite shiny. He's a bit of a legend. Yeah. You know? I kind of love given, you know, what we're speaking about, your your journey here today, mm. that you you did mention that because it's, it is obviously something that you've noticed, is it? Yeah. In terms of, obviously, male suicide is quite Absolutely. high. Absolutely. It's very, it's, 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 it's so the biggest high. killer of men between the ages of 16 and 45. It's just so scary. And it's like, and I feel so hard, so sorry for them. Because in that moment of darkness, all they had to do was say, I'm not feeling great, mm. to one person. And the darkness would lift temporarily. Yeah. And then action would begin. Yeah. You could fall in six months' time and have a depressive episode, but, but action—you know—it's yeah. different. You can refer then back to a it's time different when you've done it. yes. because you know there's been action before. There can be action again. It's yeah. just the initial hurdle. Yeah. And look at you now. Look at me now. I'm only amazing. <laughs> only bleeding rapper. I'm only rapper. <laughs> I am conscious that. Obviously, we are doing this episode of the Danke Wellness Project podcast in the run-up to the referendum. Yes. In May. Yes. The referendum is to repeal... The Eighth Amendment. The Eighth Amendment from the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of quotes that I have written down mm-hmm. from very from all of my research that mm-hmm. I did, and with the help Vast of... Vast research. <laughs> and with the help of two very 
very nice people in my okay. life um, and yourself as well oh, thanks. We, what you mentioned in a text exchange that we had a couple of days ago mm -hmm. was around the two-tier abortion debate yeah. and that you did want to acknowledge that well do you want to acknowledge it and discuss it a little bit so yeah. what do you want to say about that because I didn't want this episode to go by without me bringing it up because you did say you want to okay talk. well I mean look it's, it's a traumatic event whatever whatever part of the debate you're involved in be it fatal fetal abnormalities I couldn't even fathom the pain hmm. of people who are in that situation it must be horrendous and my heart goes out to them and I feel so sorry for them. They have to go away yeah. to another country. They can't be surrounded by their friends, their loved ones, unless you bring them all with you, right? And then you have to come home. Like, it's such a lonely journey, whatever way you're going over. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't any less lonely for me, mm. even though I'm assuming... My child, my pregnancy didn't have fatal fetal abnormalities. Yeah. But. You can speak of experience of what you went through in support of people mm. who this referendum is directly impacting. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's I mean, why it's so important that you're talking here today about this stuff. But I made a, a conscious decision with my partner that at this moment in time, for us, this just was not feasible. Yeah. And, and that look was at the what decision. has happened in your life since. And what has happened in my life since, yeah. I mean. As I, in what you've endured and now come out the other end of. Obviously, it's a celebration. You, we are here celebrating. We're here celebrating. Your journey. Recovery. Yes. But if things were different legislat legislatively, it's possible that you may not have panic. had to go through there all of that. There wouldn't have been the <clears throat> cover of darkness feeling like a criminal. Um, can I even call myself Irish? Mm -hmm. Should I even, I'm a proud Irish person, but I have done something that is completely illegal in my country. Yeah. I uh, Can I call myself Irish? Yes. Can I? Yes. I don't know. I know I do. But like, you know, this, like, it was just horrendous. It was horrendous. And it's horrendous for anybody under any circumstances to have yes. to go abroad away from even their own sofa for recovery. Yeah. They can't even lie on their own sofa or in their own bed. Yeah. And they may be having like after effects. Sure. They can't be in their own home. <clears throat> they have to be away in a hotel or a B&B &B or a guest house and worry that if they stain the sheets yeah. with the after effects of this procedure, mm -hmm. that the lady, this is the, reality that, we're the talking woman about of the hotel or the hotel manager or the maid or the or the lady that owns the BB is going to know their shame. Yeah. It's desperate because you don't even think of it. And then you're on the plane going... God, having to go to the bathroom every 20 minutes and people, you're thinking, they think I'm on drugs or something. Like, sure. you know, yeah. but I'm not. It's it's pretty grim. And then you have to get home and pretend like nothing happened. Mm. You don't even have... Would you agree that the, the after effects, for want of a better phrase, or the experience of the whole thing afterwards mm. is more impactful than... Well, you're just left with nothing. Yeah. 
You're left yeah, with no guidance to as to what to do. You don't even know if you're well. Like, you can't go for a checkup. Well, I didn't feel I could, because then I'd have to explain why I'm yeah. here having a checkup. Yeah. Well, why are you having a checkup for this? Well, because I went to England and had an abortion. Yeah. You know? I'm going to read a couple of these quotes to you. Okay, cool. Dude. Okay. Yeah. Because I'd like to get your opinion on them, really. Okay. Um, just a couple that kind of represents my my feelings on the referendum itself okay. coming up and mm-hmm. why I am going to vote proudly as an Irish man to repeal the Eighth Amendment okay. with all of my heart and soul and with my little pencil in the ballot. You do. I, we actually use a pencil in the um, ballot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, re- uh, vote to repeal the Eighth not because you agree with abortion or because you don't care what women do with their bodies, but because you agree with bodily autonomy and do care what happens to women within our maternity system. Repealing the Eighth Amendment isn't just about abortion, it's about health care, essential, much-needed care for women who, who do and do not want to be pregnant. Vote yes for your friends and yourself and future generations, and in the name of past generations forced to give birth, forced into laundries. <sighs> this is emotional stuff. Yeah. Forced into adoption because our country has for too long now considered that women who have sex deserve what they get. Do you want me to say whatever you want? It's just powerful stuff. Though, it right? is. It is powerful stuff. And, you know, I mean, the women in the laundries, I think we forget that th- these were our aunts our great aunts our grannies that generation that wasn't so long ago the last one closed down in 1984 sure it was four what age were you three there you go we could have been in there if our mammies weren't married easily it's It's unbelievable it's it's ah, that's why this discussion is so important though because it's mm -hmm. And what to refer to the quote I just read there? It's not just about. And I, it's not just about abortion. No, it's and about, I, I'm quite happy for people to have their opinions and to be <clears throat> pro-life or repeal the eighth or whatever way they want to be. But are you going to help me raise that child? Yeah. Love them both. That's lovely. Well, then why are you just concentrating on making the person feel bad if they make a different decision? And who am I to turn around to another woman and say, "No, you can't do that." Who are we? Who, who am I as a person who's had an abortion? Turn oh, around and say Sorry, yes. to turn around and say to Mary or Sarah or Lily, no, 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 you can't do that. That's what I want out, most of all. Yeah, it's not. I cannot. Person A, yeah, having the right to tell person B say in the decision of person B's, body. and probably person B and their partner who have come to this desperately hard decision. But now some stranger is going to tell me that I can't, I can't do that. No, fuck that. No. no. And lastly, yes. well, I do have another question for you, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to read this quote as well, which really, okay. which really stood out to me. And it's pro-choice is the middle ground. You might never be in a situation where you will need an abortion for any number of reasons. You might never be pregnant and have your rights as a human being taken away. You might disagree with abortion, but please don't stop other people from having the choice. Well, that's it, isn't it? Pretty much sums it up for me. Pretty much sums it up for me. I mean, who am I to tell somebody else, no, 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 you can't, you can't do that. 
you, ca you can't be so traumatized. I'm going to traumatize you more mm. by taking away autonomy. Mm. And that's what we're voting on. That's, I, I'm going to traumatize you more. Yeah. No. No. Sorry. Don't think so. Not going to happen. Not no. on my watch. <laughs> no. I really hope that this discussion on this podcast today with you about your journey and mm -hmm. your journey from trauma to darkness really from darkness to light darkness to light because <coughs> i it is possible has had a positive impact on people that's what i want out of this yeah. i want people to i don't want people to think that this is you know telling people how to vote or make their Absolutely own choice because that's exactly the whole point Absolutely we don't want to be telling people what not. to do you have to make up your own mind you have to make up your own my mind. hope is that people will listen to this discussion about mental health about bodily autonomy and the beautiful way in which you spoke about your experience and i know people will take something from this i'm, I'm certain because yeah because i have oh cool as a someone who, <laughs> who has challenges with their own mental health mm. and who looks for hope mm -hmm every day that I live and creates things like this podcast. I'm just so grateful to you Sorry for coming on today. But having um, had an abortion doesn't make me any less Irish just because the state and the church was, but that's how you feel. Right. Because you're a criminal. You're going into another jurisdiction because your own country mm. won't help you. Yeah. Let's change that, will we? Well, I think we should. Mm. I think we should give people... Trust the women and yeah. men of Ireland to know what they want. It's time. It is time. Mm. Get your At the end of the last episode, mm -hmm. Donald Brady sang a song. I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to ask you to sing Jesus. a song. <laughs> um, although I do know that you can't sing. I can, but I won't. But be yeah, is there anything you want to end the podcast on? I just wanted to say here um, again, huge thanks to you for welcome. your bravery, your honesty, your forthrightness, no and um, you've done. Anybody who listens a great service. Good, I hope so. I'm so, so proud of you. Me too. Wish I'm you proud well of myself. Your, I wish you well on your journey. Thank you very much. I just want to say that recovery is possible. You just have to say four words. I don't feel great. And say to somebody that you know. And everybody has somebody. I don't care if they're a neighbour or a friend or a relative. But there is somebody in your life. If you think hard enough, yeah. you could sit down in a quiet moment and say, I don't feel great. Yeah. And they're probably a doer, so they'll sit down and make Hang a on, plan. That was three words. Oh, sorry. I don't feel great. That's four words. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want some coffee there, Dan? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't feel great. And don't guys, if great. you have listened to what Sive has talked about there, and you actually look around and think, "God, shit, I actually don't have anybody," talk to me. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. Dan Wellness Project at gmail.com or hit me up with a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I'm so glad that you listened to this episode, guys. I really hope you got something out of it. I certainly did. And um, I welcome all and any feedback. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Bye.